Hello, and welcome to episode 118 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Courtney. Today is Tuesday, June 20th, 2023. A big thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. How's it going, Courtney? Um, June is screaming by. Yeah, I was thinking that. I was going to try and not comment because I feel like we say that every time. But it's true. It's true. But yeah, June 20th, it's like summer tomorrow? Tomorrow. I mean, not here. <laughs> no, definitely not here. Nope. But hopefully wherever you are, it's a little bit warmer. Yes. You being the listeners, not yes, you no. <laughs> on that side of the table. <laughs> it's so warm over here in this part of the room. Yeah, so we've got, we've got a goodly amount of chit chat and things to talk about. We are recording a little little early. Not that you will notice because it will still come out on the same day. But we are chatting early because I'm heading off on a family adventure to the mountains of Colorado. We will see how this goes. I am not in as good of shape as my children and my husband. So it'll be interesting. It's going to be fine and beautiful. It'll be delightful. Yeah. None of us have been there. Well, yeah, boy two is, is there all week doing his own thing. And we will hopefully all meet up, airline gods willing, and... uh yeah, no, I'm pretty excited. I feel like we haven't done a a new adventure place in a while. Yeah, Maybe us either. I think it's going to be beautiful. You're going to have some awesome photos for us, hopefully. That is what all the guidebooks say. So we shall see. I will let you know. But for today, we will be chatting about on the needles, on the easel, on the table, on the nightstand, and bingo, of course. Bingo has been very exciting lately. I'm looking forward to talking about that. But starting with On the Needles, wow. So remember how I said I was maybe just going to start casting things on? I kind of did that. So much knitting. And I have things coming up. Very exciting. Stephen West is doing a sock mystery knit along. They're going to be the funnest socks ever. Very exciting. So I have signed up for that. I even ordered a kit because it came with a cute bag. And I got the mystery color. So I don't even know what kind of yarn I'm getting. But he said it was a cool colors. And that's what I gravitate to. So I think that'll be fine. So I'm excited about that. There are four clues for that. And it runs July 6th through 27th. So you have plenty of time to decide if you want to do that. And I feel like socks are always, they're less stressful in terms of worrying about, are you going to like them? Like if it's a shawl, his shawls are giant, as you know. Yes. And they are a big commitment. And sweaters are kind of similar in terms of commitment. But a sock, it's just... You know, yeah. Theoretically, you have, no one's going to see it except for you. And if you have cold feet yep. on occasion and wear socks. Yeah. So it's a two color sock. He said you need a cable needle because there'd be a little bit of cables. There are a number of people I was reading the chat who have never made socks before, which that is bold. Like, I don't know if I would. I, I am not that bold. I would want to make a plain sock just to understand basic sock construction before I got involved in a Stephen West pattern, I think. But I have found his tutorials to be so educational that if you're going to start a sock, yeah. no better place to start than under the guidance of Stephen West. Very true. Plus, he's so effervescent. Yeah, no. It'll, <laughs> like, it'll... I need that kind of energy in yeah. every facet of my life. Yeah. And if I could inject it, I would. Um, and there'll be a lot of people doing it. So mm -hmm. they it's going to be, be so fun. I'm very impressed with them. And then I also... Got the pattern and a kit for the Shetland Wool Week hat. 
Yay. Which does not happen until September, September 23rd to October 1st. And I've been eyeing the patterns, I guess. I don't know exactly when this started. I don't think this is a super ancient <laughs> week of celebration. I think it's fairly recent, but they've started having a hat come out. Hat pattern, different one that celebrates Shetland wool. So it's the Fair Isle patterning. And I've, I keep missing out on it. And I'm sad. And so I finally put a note on my calendar. This is when it opens up. Look now. And I did. And there were the pattern was available. It's adorable. It's got all these flowers on it. Just beautiful. And so I started looking around for kits. And I and I found a kit that I liked and I ordered it. And I'm not sure when I'm going to make it. So I might just decide I'll do it during the wool week or... I guess I could try and have it ready in advance of the Wool Week. It's not like I'm going out anywhere to a, a Wool Week party or anything. But anyway, so the links for both of those events will be in our show notes along with everything else if you are interested in checking it out. Fun. And yeah, I'm excited about that. So then actual knitting, my projects that I've been talking about before, the Vanilla is the New Black Socks by Anna Fletcher in White Birch Fiber Arts in the Little Birdie colorway, which will be a bingo square. Actually, it'll be two bingo squares because it's the craft a bird, but it's also remake a project because if you've been listening for any time, you may have heard me mention this sock pattern before. Once or twice. Once or twice. It is my standard sock for me pattern, but I've gotten some, some good progress done on the socks and I'm really liking this striping pattern. It looks nice in the skein, but a little bit, I was thinking, why did I pick this out again? But now that I'm knitting it, it's really pretty. It's got blues and pinks and some whites, like a peachy pink. So not not bright like the other blue and pink and white skein that I did last time. <laughs> Apparently I have a theme. Uh, yeah, so I'm really enjoying seeing how this is all, all coming out. And then my dark academia sweater, I got a little bit sidetracked by some other projects, but I have continuing that. I'm almost done with the second chart. So maybe two thirds of the way through the body of the sweater. So that's kind of exciting. I probably won't get any work done on it this upcoming week because it's not really a travel project. No. Way no. too much thinking. But we'll see. Yeah, I'm very, very much enjoying that one still. I spent a lot of time on The More You Know by Sarah Shira. That was her 12th mystery gnome along. He is so bright is done. He is so bright. He's on, on Instagram. He's bright. He's very bright. He's and adorable. He's rather rotund. He is. He has a little bit of a different gnome shape. Uh, he does not have a beard. He has a giant nose. He has feet and hands. He's really cute. He has a two-color hat with mosaic stitch. So the yarn I used uh, was Plucky Knitter in Miss Manners, which is a very bright pink. And then Yarntini Sock in Match Point, which is Tennis Ball Yellow, and Ginger Ice, which is a bright blue. Uh, and it turned out okay. I was a little bit worried about my color choices. I like them all together. Would I like them as a gnome? And the answer is yes. It's very summery, very fun. It was interesting doing it as the mystery knit along. She will release a, a revised actual pattern now that all of the mystery clues are out. She set it up so we were doing all these tiny little bits, like we did one foot, and we did the tassel, and we did the base of the hat, but we didn't know that it was the base of the hat first. So we had all these little bits, so the knitting went really quickly. And then we got to, we had like two or three clues left, and we hadn't knit the gnome yet. <laughs> so all of a sudden, there was a whole lot of knitting to do. 
which was fine. It, I think it, it hit over the weekend, so I was able to finish it up. So it's an interesting construction. It's a little bit different shape. Fun little extra bits. And the giant bulbous nose is hilarious. Super fun. It's very fun. Yeah. It's a great summer gnome. And then I made a Rocky Mountain beanie by Nancy Bates. I don't know if you remember when I went to Joshua Tree in February with my family. I made a Joshua Tree hat also from Nancy Bates. She has a whole set for all of the national parks. She has a California book coming out, which I'm kind of kind of interested in as well. Um, but so since we're going to another national park, I thought, oh, I'll have to make another hat. So I did. And I was a little bit worried because I had I had got the pattern and I was kept putting it off, putting it off. I'm like, it's a hat. It's a worsted weight hat. It's not going to take me that long. And then I thought, oh, I have less than a week now. And I have so many things to do before we go on our trip. Am I going to finish it? And it took a hot second. So of course, that was fine. Because worsted weight yarn does go quite quickly. So this one is a much more colorful hat. The Joshua tree was one color with cables to make the Joshua trees. This one is lots of different colors to make almost a picture of Rocky Mountain. And it's based on one of the most popular trails, I guess it's Bear Lake to Emerald Lake, which is actually on our list of things to do. So it's four lakes. So you've got four different blues and then forest green and some trees and some flowers and the mountaintop. And I think it takes about 10 colors total. I have technically finished it. I do want to add some French knot flowers. I have to remember how to do that. <laughs> so I haven't done that part yet, but the, the rest of the hat is done. I put the little Rocky Mountain tag on it. So I will have to get a modeled photo. There is a, a photo on my Ravelry page for this, but it's not terribly exciting because I haven't been there yet. Yeah, we want to see it in situ. Or yes. Exactly. So once I get there, I will do that. I Great. Was a little worried. And then my random cast on Gemini by Jane Richmond. It is a t-shirt, t-shirt sweater. I was thinking I wanted to cast on another simpler, mostly stockinette sweater to have while doing TV knitting because yeah, the dark academia does not work well during TV. I tried it for one second and I was like, no, this is not going to work. So the Gemini is mostly stockinette t-shirt. The yarn I am using is Zombie Yarns Thriller in the colorway Bumbleberry. So it's a DK weight yarn, 75% cotton, 25% linen. Ooh, that's so it'd be nice and be summery. Really nice. Yeah, and I think feel. and I, and Ravelry has when you're searching, you can put in what kind of yarn you're using and find patterns that use that. And so that was how I found it. So I said I want a t-shirt, this kind of yarn. So that was very exciting to find something because it's super cute and it has a lace detail at the top and you can wear it forwards or backwards and it'll work either way. So that was kind of exciting. So I had to get through the, the lace part before I could make it be TV knitting. And the yarn is, I said it was called Bumbleberry. I don't think that tells anybody anything. It's kind of an orchid purpley pinky with, because it is zombie yarns kind of chartreuse and dark black or brown speckles. So a little little grungy looking, but not not too much. Um, just gives it a little, little texture and interest. And I got this yarn at Stitches 2022 at they're going out of business sale, the zombie yarns, or she was going to stop dying. So it was like $5 a skein, which is super cheap. 
So I'm very excited to get to finally use this. Although one of my goals was to use three stashes of sweater yarn from before 2022. (laughs) So I am (laughs) not succeeding at that yet. But I also I still feel good. I mean, it's it's not yarn that I bought specifically. It's yarn I had in my stash and I went and found something to do with it. So I'm pretty excited about that. I might take that one. I'm still doing the the raglan increases. So I do have to pay a little bit of attention, but pretty soon it's just going to be round and round. So I think it might be a good vacation knitting project as well. And that is all my knitting. That's a fair bit. Fair bit. Good stuff. So what is on the easel? Like your Rocky Mountain beanie pulling together colors, I've been pulling together a sketch kit to take on our later in the summer trip. It's been really interesting to put together a lightweight sketch kit to take. We're we're doing a little bit of a far-flung trip that I'll tell people more about later on. I want it to be as lightweight as possible and still offer all the amenities that is that a painter could want in the wild. So I've been working on color palettes and playing with different sketchbooks and making it all fit into this cute little case that I bought. And I ordered a couple different patches to stitch onto the case. So that's my my like bird-themed craft is to stitch a patch on my sketch case. I'm pretty excited. I think I'm going to do a trial run of it later on this week and take it down to like Half Moon Bay or something and paint on location somewhere nearby and see how it see how it handles. One of my other projects for the past week or so has been I drew a new tattoo. I drew a heron with the word still next to it. Herons are very still birds and this was a request from a repeat client. Finally figured out the right posture and placement and she's getting it inked on Friday and it just always blows my mind how fast that happens. And then I was working on a whole collection of floral paintings. I have some photography from before from when I was working on still lives and I'm just doing the florals from that and I really feel like I have landed on a better vernacular for how to achieve the floral paintings kind of like how it feels to work out a bird like I know which parts of the bird are important to my style and how I convey them and so I feel like I'm finally getting there with florals, and that is very fun to be painting right now. Even a grocery store bouquet is very exciting. And then my last easel item is this project that I have been wanting to make for, I think, four years, which is a pencil easel. And, you know, I like built out these pencil trays for my colored pencils, but I built a pencil easel with like a piece of scrap that I had found. It's part of a tray for your silverware, just just the long side of it. And I figured out a way to tilt it back so that it leans and I put in separators and I put plexiglass across the bottom. And now I have that right in front of my drawing board with everyday pencils, hard drawing pencils, soft drawing pencils, and then the landscape sepia kind of colored ones. And it is so useful and sort of kicking myself that it took me as long as it did to do that. It's a great addition to the studio and I'm using them 
I mean, I was reaching for the same pencil over and over and over, and now I can see all of my great pencils, and that's very satisfying. So that's a new addition to the studio. That sounds very cool. All right, on the table, it has been a little quiet on the food front because we are child-free, so it's a little bit of a, a preview of what our life will be. I'm chuckling because I think I made eight pounds of meat last night. Excellent. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I want to hear all about that. Yeah. So we were going out a bit and then only making one meal is <laughs> just amazing. <laughs> it's kind of very exciting. So the, the one new kind of meal meal that I made was the stewed chickpeas with zucchini from Simply Julia. It is from the vegan section, which I don't actually care about the veganness. I just need vegetarian, but it's a vegan section. And it was surprisingly delicious. I had <laughs> ordered zucchini from my produce box. So I was looking for something to do with it. And this used chickpeas. We always like chickpeas. It's from Simply Julia. So it was very simple. I, you know, you start off with red onions and tomato paste and cook them in the pan a little bit. And you add oregano and red bell peppers and the chickpeas and a little, little bit of red wine vinegar. And you just let it cook for like half an hour. There's not a lot of liquid in there. I think maybe you add a little bit of water, but not much. It's mostly just the, the liquid coming out of the vegetables and you keep the lid on and then you can serve it over. I think she suggested couscous, which doesn't work for us but quinoa does, and that was delicious. And then you make a little very simple mayonnaise sauce, which for me just finished it off, gave it this little extra creaminess. You could use vegan mayonnaise, obviously, if you wanted it to be really vegan. That's has, a good umami kick, too. Yeah, it, it was it was really good. So I, I found it really delicious. Husband seemed to enjoy it as well. And so that one is definitely something to to keep in the back of my mind when I'm looking for something something to repeat, because they're all pretty basic ingredients. Nothing really out there or difficult to find. So that was that was good. And I have been getting back into sauces. I'd forgotten how fun they are. And I just I seem to have a bunch of recipes where it was like, oh, add, add, a, add a sauce, add a dip. Um, I did soca, which are the Provencal chickpea flour pancakes. And I roasted some broccolini and made a dill sauce, which was yogurt and dill and, you know, some other things. Um, oh, I think it had a little bit of horseradish, prepared horseradish in there as well. And that one was from Dinner, A Love Story. So that one I think is on her, on her website if you are interested or it'll be in the show notes if I can find it again. Then I also did a roasted tomato vinaigrette, which I can't talk about too much because it's from Veg Forward and we will hear more about it. At the end of the summer, probably. But it was delicious. <laughs> Just really good. We did a, a, a rice and veggie bowl with this amazing, very flavorful vinaigrette that I didn't think was going to work at all. And it was totally great. I'm very excited to talk about Veg Forward. If, if people haven't heard, it is our summer cookbook review that we're working on. And so we are on the sidelines cooking mightily from that. And it is divided into seasons. And so we're a little focused on spring, summer right now. But if you want to pick it up or look for it at your library and cook along with us, and we'll talk about it more later on in the summer. And then finally, pickled strawberries. Yes. Which sounds so weird and great. It's so weird. This is part of the strawberry report, because I, I think I said this last time, I am getting 
two pounds of strawberries every week in my produce box. So I need lots of strawberry recipes. And I have those little mini single ingredient cookbooks, one of which is strawberries from short stacks. They're little single ingredient cookbooks. So this one was obviously strawberries. I remembered I had it. I pulled it out and was flipping through. I think I was looking for a dessert thing to do with it, but then I saw the pickled strawberries and I thought, bingo square. Very exciting. And it's also by Susan Spungen, which I just realized (laughs) this morning as I was doing my notes, the author of Veg Forward. So obviously this is pretty great. That's so full circle. I love it. I was laughing pretty pretty hard this morning. So another really simple one, you mix together and boil rice wine vinegar, and I think water, sugar, get it all dissolved, put the strawberries in a mason jar, put a vanilla bean that you sliced open in there and some fresh mint, and then pour the liquid on top of it and let it sit overnight. And I think she said it lasts for a week or two. It's delicious on top of vanilla ice cream. And she gives you a little bit of a variation to make it a little bit more savory. I don't find it terribly sweet. Myself, it's because it's got the vinegar. So it's, I mean, it, they are pickled. But it's that nice. It it's sounds not, like kind of a good shrub for a cocktail. Yes, that's thing. what she's actually that she says. When you're done with the strawberries, you can use the shrub in a cocktail. So that is the, the other plan. So I haven't quite figured out what else to do with them. Mostly I've just because the, the strawberries and ice cream is so delicious. That's all I've done with it. I do. I would pop them in a salad. I'm thinking a salad. Yeah, I think we're having salad tonight and I don't have any planned toppings for that. So I think that could be pretty good. Yeah, I could use the liquid in a vinaigrette too. I mean, mm-hmm. just add some oil and it'd be, yeah. So that was super fun. And I'm very glad that I found that because I was a little bit worried about the pickled square, I have to say. See? It's not hard. Yeah, no, it's great. All you need is some vinegar. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? Well, the carnivores are home. And boy, oh boy, is it for real. I can't even separate the number of meals <laughs> that we've had that include uh, meat of some kind. I'm pretty much cooking a gigantic meal from scratch every night right now. And I'm not complaining per se because I know that someday they'll go to school and I'll be sad then (laughs) but for right now so okay we made did I talk about angry grandma pizza last time I don't think I did I've made it twice yeah because you talked about it when we did the review but that's been a while right so I have in the past two weeks I've made the angry grandma pizza twice Because I have hungry people. That's from the Smitten Kitchen Keepers, right? Yes. Thank you. The first time I made it, I think our house was too cold and the the pizza crust dough didn't rise properly. And now that it's a little bit warmer, I started it earlier in the day. And by the time it was ready to go for dinner, it was beautiful. It was so perfect. I'm thrilled with with the crust results. Is the crust in that recipe or is that your own? Nope. This is all part of the recipe. It is a deep dish Detroit style pizza that bakes off in a nine by 12 cake pan. And it is super forgiving. You can pile on the toppings, which my guys love. So this was just really, really successful. So successful that I made it twice. And the other recipe that was very successful for the boys this 
week was firecracker chicken, which is a super spicy chicken. I did a sauteed spinach and kind of sticky rice to go with it. The firecracker sauce is like a hot sauce and some chili oil and a little bit of brown sugar, lots of vinegar, tons of... I did fresh ginger. It calls for ground, but I have fresh ginger. So I used it fresh garlic. So it is just really, really packed with flavor, the chicken is. And then when you mix it in with the rice, it kind of calms it down a little bit. I served it with green onion and cilantro. It was super flavorful. Our older kid keeps taking it to work for his lunch. So that's a win. That's from a website that I found online and I'll have a link for that in the... I was just looking for something to do with ground chicken one night. Super surprise find. And then another night, I was so tired of cooking meat, and I said, what can we do for dinner? And hoping somebody would say, oh, I'll go pick up XYZ. And my husband said, "Um, let's have breakfast for dinner, which is not easy, you know, like a full breakfast. So I made those egg cup muffins that I love, and then I taught the boys how to make the super fluffy pancakes where you fold in the egg white and it just makes them mile high. And then my husband would please like credit for making hash browns from scratch. He's very proud of himself. Yeah. Literally potatoes and butter. That's it. Well, still. Yes. Did he grate them or just He did. He grated them. Okay, that's the work. Yeah, it is total work. And also, he came up with the idea. I mean, not didn't offer to go out, but he did come up with an idea, which is often half the battle. Oh, he'll appreciate all of this credit, Monica. So that was an epic breakfast for dinner. Oh, yeah. And I felt pretty good about that. And then tonight is the lasagna party, the lasagna dinner party. I My younger son had a birthday and he had this lasagna dinner party around Christmas time. And now he's doing it for his birthday with the same group. And they loved the lasagna. So I'm a little nervous that we might not have enough because I am part Sicilian. And that is my like constant fear is that we'll run out of garlic or we won't have enough food. So I made the bolognese last night and it looks awesome. Tonight or this afternoon, we're going to assemble the lasagnas together. It goes so much faster when you have an eager helper. He'll learn how to make or he will relearn how to make lasagna. And that is a win within itself. Yeah, that could be teaching someone how to also, right? Yeah, but I already taught Nathan how to make granola. And both of them how to make the pancakes. I mean, we're just really, we're really teaching a lot. That's good. (laughs) My kids are not doing any, well, okay, one of them is not home at all this summer. So there's that. Or he was home for a hot second. The other one has too much going on that I feel bad asking him to do anything else. Yeah, I think because they're getting ready to fledge, they do need to know some of these basic things. And they're very willing to come and get a tutorial as long as it fits their Their schedule and their taste buds. Yeah, that's fair. That's good, though. Yeah. All right. On the nightstand, I don't have quite so many books. I only have nine this time. (laughs) Well... When I drove away last uh, last podcast, Monica had... How many did you have during the podcast? 11. 11. And then I drove away and she texted me, I forgot a book. And then two minutes later, I forgot two books. 
That's true. So I guess I technically only have seven, but two of them are for last time. And I did definitely, and I wanted to talk about both of them. So I'm going to. Of course. Because they were fun. All right. So the two from last time, the first one, The Last Heir to the Blackwood Library by Hester Fox. And this one was kind of funny because it sounded totally up my alley. I got it out of the library and was reading like what her other books were. And I realized I've read one of her books before. Oh, my gosh. And I didn't love I've it. I've never done that. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't love it. So I was a little bit like, okay, let's see what happens. So gothic. Gothic. It's got a library. I mean, it's got library in the title. How could I not pick out this book? So it is the 1920s in London. And Ivy is a young woman. She's on her own. She lost her parents and her brother during World War One and the Spanish flu pandemic. But then she gets a letter from a lawyer. Guess what? You have inherited an estate and a title in Yorkshire. Fantastic. The only caveat is you must live in the house. Ivy says, great. So she heads up to Yorkshire. Of course, it's raining. The house is kind of crumbling. There's a very grim housekeeper and a, a sketchy chauffeur who keeps giving cryptic warnings. But it is a big house and she is now she's now a Vicountess. So she's going to stay. And then she finds a library, which her father was an academic and she would have loved to have gone to university as well, but no money. So she's very excited. She basically is just figures I'll hang out here and read all the books in my library. However, she starts getting headaches. Things start falling off shelves. Very creepy. It's gothic, right? So there's mysteries and secrets and ghosts and evil monks from the 1600s. And <laughs> it was pretty good. I think if you're a gothic fan, I would definitely check it out. It was amusing. Personally, I like her concepts better than the actual books themselves. They go off a little bit <laughs> in kind of kookiness. But it was, you know, it was an amusing gothic kind of romp. And then The Mostly True Story of Tanner and Louise by Colleen Oakley. This was super fun. Louise is in her 80s, and she's been living on her own, but she tripped over a rug and fell and hurt herself, so her kids want her to have someone living with her. She doesn't want anyone in the house, but one of her daughter's friends has a daughter, Tanner, who is 22. She was a star on the soccer team at Northwestern until she ha got injured, and so she lost her scholarship hasn't finished college. She's been living at home and her parents have finally had enough and said, you need to find a job and move out. So this seems like a good solution. Neither of them really want to be together, but they can kind of be in the house. Tanner will drive Louise around to her appointments and then they can ignore each other the rest of the time until Tanner is watching the news one night. And there is a photo of a woman who the FBI is looking for because she was involved in a jewel heist in the 60s. And the photo looks a lot like Louise. And then Louise says, we need to go. <laughs> <laughs> so their adventures, it flips back and forth between what they're, where, you know, their, their cross country drive, they're driving to California because Louise says she has a friend who's dying. So there's some secrets and background. The FBI is looking for them. It is a romp. It is friendship spanning the generations. All is not as it appears. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. A nice, a nice summer read. And then J is for Judgment by Sue Grafton. Continuing on. I think that I have gotten to the books that I have not read before because I don't remember anything about this one. 
So about five years ago. In 19... 19- Yes, yeah, so we're, I think we're up to 84 now. So this happened five years before that. A man is running a real estate Ponzi scheme. It's all about to fall apart. So he takes his boat, sails off. The boat is later found abandoned with a suicide note. Everyone figures he's dead, but there's no body. So his wife has to wait the five years to get him declared dead so she can get the insurance money, $500,000. The insurance company obviously wasn't super excited about this. We're now two months past that, and one of their adjusters thinks they'd just seen the guy hanging out in Baja in Mexico. So Kinsey is sent down there to check it out, see if they if she can find them and get proof that he is still alive so the insurance company can get their money back. So she gets a little trip to Mexico, which is kind of fun, and things go off from there. She finds him, she loses him, there's other family secrets going on, all sorts of wacky, typical business. And a good, a very good ending. I really liked. I liked the ending very much. And you're getting a little bit more of Kinsey's history and some of her story. We've said this before. The best mystery series always have more information about the detectives and their lives, and you care a lot about them. And it's not just the mystery. So this is definitely one of those. And then another mystery, Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murderers by Jesse Q. Sutanto. This one takes place in San Francisco. Very fun. Vera Wong is, uh, her husband passed away a few years ago, and her son is off doing his thing, even though she texts him every single morning and all through the day, giving him advice. He doesn't seem to appreciate it. She runs a tea shop in Chinatown. And one morning she comes downstairs to her tea shop and there's a dead body. And the police are not very concerned, so Vera has to take upon herself the investigation. She figures that the murderer always comes back to the scene of the crime. So there are four people that show up that first day, and she gets to know them and is investigating them. And it's kind of a romp. You've got family secrets, and everyone's hiding something. It was really sweet. And it's not a terribly San Francisco-y book, but it was it was a sweet Sweet little murder mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when you say uh, that. <laughs> yeah. And again, multi-generational relationships. So that was really nice. And then the final mystery, The Lockup by John Banville. Ooh. Do you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. This is another one. I have read his books before. He's got sort of regular books, and then he's got this mystery series. I don't think I've read any of the mystery series before. I don't think I have either. This one just came out a hot second ago. And... A lot of it played off of the relationships established in the previous mystery. You don't need to read them both, but I... But if you're looking for the first of a series... I don't even know that that's the first of a series. I don't know. Anyway, so in this one, a young woman is found dead. She apparently committed suicide, locked herself in the car, carbon monoxide, that kind of thing. But the pathologist who did the autopsy thinks it was murder. There was some bruising around her mouth and hands so it looks like maybe she was she was murdered so the the investigator detective strafford is looking into it the thing that i found most interesting is the mystery almost feels secondary the the thing about it is that nobody knew well first of all no one could figure out why she would have killed herself and then once they think it's murder no one could figure out who would have wanted to kill her so there's almost they almost just stumble upon the answer and what's going on. And it's the 1950s in Dublin, Ireland. So that's a whole thing as well. That's interesting. It's I mean, it's a different 
lifestyle is the word that's popping into my head. That's mm-hmm. not quite what I mean. But it's all about the relationships between the people and what they're going through. The two main characters are still going through a lot of trauma from what happened in the previous book. So they're dealing with that. So the lockup, I just looked it up, is book eight. Yeah, I thought there were several. Yeah, but cool, Monica, because now we can go back to book one, which <laughs> it's is... It's a new series for us. I need a new series. Christine Falls is book one. All right. Yeah, so interesting. And I have i don't think I've read any, as I said, I don't think I've read any of the mysteries. They're, they're a different, different kind of mystery. They're not a straight procedural. They're much more into the, the characters themselves and not so much the mystery. And I don't know if the other ones are it, like that as do well. Do they feel more Scandinavian in flair? You know, the Scandinavian ones are... Oh, I haven't read a lot of Scandinavian ones. That's that's your... Uh, dark. Your, your genre. Yeah. <laughs> it's not necessarily dark. They're just... There was... It felt like there wasn't a lot of investigating. Mm. Okay. Sort of, it was like, oh, okay. That's interesting. Let me go talk to this person. Mm. But then they go... They spend a lot of time talking to each other about unrelated things. I don't know. So it was interesting. I didn't dislike it. I, actually... At the end, it all came together very nicely, and I liked it a lot. But getting there was a little odd. And there were also several 40 to 60-year-old men being into 20-year-old girls, so that part wasn't quite as fun. Nope. But for actual romance, (laughs) with appropriate age characters, started off with The Happy Place by Emily Henry. Big summer release. Super fun. Harriet and Wynne have been going out. They met in college. They were friends for a while. And their romance could not be denied. They've been together for about 10 years. But then his mom has been ill. So he moved back home to be with her. And they decided it wasn't working. And they've broken up. But they haven't told anyone. Because they are part of a friend group that gets together every year at one girl's family's summer home. They know it's going to change their, their friend group dynamic. There's six of them total, three couples, all met in college. So they figure they'll get through the week with the friends and then they'll tell people. So they show up and they have to get through the week, but they're still obviously feeling feelings for each other. It's a little little town in Maine, so it's all lobster rolls and <laughs> swimming and lots of drinking. These people, 30-year-old. Yeah. Way to go. Rest in peace, liver. <laughs> exactly. So it was it was a delightful romp, really fun friend dynamics that kind of change like when you hit 30 is kind of I mean there are reasons why there you yeah. know people go through things at, at these people times evolve yeah. yeah so it is I mean there's the romance but there is also the whole friendship thing because people you change from college to 30 or at least one would hope <laughs> that you you change so there's all of that I like Emily Henry's books there I guess I would say that it's more um women's literature than than a straight romance, uh, because there is so much other stuff going on as well. This came highly recommended to me from another friend, too. Yeah, it's said it fun. wasn't romantical. Yeah, no, I it's not. It's not in or whatever. Yeah, no, it's it definitely feels realistic, you know, people behaving like you would expect people to behave. <laughs> so that was fun. And then a romance romance true love experiment by Christina Lauren. This one I found amusing. This is the second in this little mini series. Christina Lauren, they have it's it's a two women that that write together. They have a ton of books and I've read several of their books. And I think I sort of discovered them when 
the first book in this series came out, which was a couple years ago. But the, the waiting list was so long at the library that I decided I'd just read some of their other books and never actually read this first one. <laughs> so I read a bunch of their other books, but not the one that leads into this book. Again, it's a romance. You don't need to. Fizzy is a romance writer, and she is kind of lost her writing mojo. It's been about a year. She's lost her romance mojo. She's lost her writing mojo. She doesn't know what to do. Connor is a documentary filmmaker, and his production company is switching because there's not a lot of money in making movies about whales. So they have decided to do reality TV. Yay! So he is in charge of doing a dating show. So you want? He's, I'd much prefer whales. Yeah, he, <laughs> Connor would as well. But if he wants to keep his job in San Diego so he can be with his daughter, he needs to do this dating show. So he's trying to think of something new to do. He's at his ex-wife's house. He sees all these romance books. He thinks, oh, fantastic. I'll have this romance author be our bachelorette. They end up deciding to do it with eight guys and they will all be romance tropes. And (laughs) except, of course, sparks fly between Fizzy and Connor. It it was just delightful. It's like meta romance. (laughs) And I enjoyed it very much. Uh, you know, just silly and 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 cute and and a, definitely a romance, definitely an open door romance. Uh, so just be aware of that. And then, for all my murder bot fans, I'm sure there's one or two of you. Martha Wells's new book, Witch King, is not sci-fi. It is definitely more fantasy. This one just came out May 30th, so it is hot off the presses. It is fantastic. I should really go back and read her pre-Murderbot stuff to see how that is. So Kai is the demon witch king, and he wakes up. He has been put in a suspended sleep. He doesn't know who did it. He doesn't know what's going on. The renewal of the Rising World Coalition was due to happen, and he was supposed to be there. So he's got to find his friend that he was traveling with. He's got to get back there. Someone else is missing. So it's adventures, you go back and forth in time between the start of the coalition and what's going on now. There's no dragons, but there's magic and ghosts and ghouls and demons and kings and warriors and flying boats. And she's such a good writer. It's really great. And there's this really interesting immediacy to her writing. It's a full story and it's, I think it's 400 pages. So it's a chunky book. But it almost feels like a short story and that it's just this slice of time. Even though it's got a full plot, it's got a beginning, it's got an end. It's just, it's really interesting. And I like it very much. I was very excited to to read this. And, and it's different, right? I mean, in that it's not robots. <laughs> but a lot of the same themes. What does it mean to be human? Because Kai is not. So there's all different kinds of magical people and you know, friendship and family relationships and secrets. And yeah, so Witch King by Martha Wells, two thumbs up on that one. And then my final one, Gone Like Yesterday by Janelle M. Williams. I listened to this one. It was on the modern Mrs. Darcy reading list for the spring. And she said it was kind of like Exit West in terms of themes and and vibes. So I really liked Exit West. So I thought I'll pick that one up. And I would agree. Zara is a black woman from Atlanta, went to Stanford, now living in New York, helping 
rich, mostly white kids write their college essays so that they can go to Stanford. There is some magical realism in here. She and her family are hunted by moths that appear and sing songs to them. She ends up through her Uber driver (laughs) meeting Sammy, who is a young black girl attending a privileged high school. And she offers to help her write her essay. And then Zara finds out her brother in Atlanta is missing. Uh, So she has to go down and find him through all these various connections. Sammy and her uncle end up coming with. So family stories, family secrets, immigrant experience, always sort of feeling not part of either world that you belong to, the relationship between Zara and Sammy. It was a really good, powerful book. And that magical realism just kind of made it that little bit more of interesting. The only thing that I was kind of sad about is with the audio. There's so much music in this book with both the moths, the songs they sing, but also Zara and her brother and Sammy are all really into music and they talk about all these songs, but there's no music in it. I think probably because I had just listened to Echo where they did put in so much music, it felt like a little bit of a missed opportunity. But the actual, the reading, the narration was great. The first half of the book, they're in New York. So there's a ton of New York experiences that were really well done. And then they're in Atlanta. And I lived in Atlanta for a while. So there was enough crossover. I was like, oh, yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that was also really fun. And they're very different places. And she, I felt like she captured both of those locations. And the story was just great. So that was Gone Like Yesterday by Janelle M. Williams. And those are my books. Good stuff. I have three for you. My first one is Diary of a Void. Oh, that one's on my list. Really? Yeah. The author is Emmy Yagi, and it's translated by David Boyd and Lucy North. And this is a super weird novel, debut author, and it's an exploration of a fictitious pregnancy. It is such a weird little book. This is mostly, chiefly about her workplace. She's tired of cleaning up from all these messy guys in the office. They leave coffee cups around at their afternoon meeting and she goes in the next morning and there's always this mess. Like, why can't they throw their cups away? And so she, very early in the book, is like, I can't do this. It's making me sick. I'm pregnant. And thus begins her long-term... You can't even call it subterfuge. Like, she just straight up falls into this and then carries it out for the duration, the tension for someone like me. I don't like movies when people rummage through the drawers, you know, like people look through other people's houses. That kind of tension makes me squirm. It's the similar tension, you know, that she's she's carrying on this gigantic lie with her co-workers and then she has to deal with her family and and then what I don't know it's a crazy little book and such an interesting read and it's also those gender workplace expectations in this particular culture that was interesting to see from her perspective very fast read really interesting by a debut author. So that's Diary of a Void. Then I got lucky and was able to grab a copy of the new Charles Frazier, The Trackers. Charles Frazier wrote Cold Mountain, which 
I only recently read in the past couple years and loved it. The Trackers was so different. Again, a slimmer novel. This is a post-depression WPA era, get, getting people back to work, funding the arts in different meaningful ways to touch the everyday person. And so our main character is a mural painter, and he is assigned a post office mural in Wyoming, and he is under the patronage of a wealthy ranch owner slash politician in Wyoming. And so he lives on their property and they're, I think, funding part of the mural. That part I was very excited about because he's mixing paints and all of the chapters are named after paint pigments. And I loved, I loved that kind of synchronicity throughout the book. And then there's this whole other bizarre storyline where the the patron's wife takes off or goes missing and the patron hires the mural painter to go track her down and he is tracking her to Seattle and then down to Florida so this is like 1940 something and so it's like the very beginning of commercial travel that part was super well researched and documented and a really interesting slice of of air travel for the early consumer. It wraps up in San Francisco, which is very fun for me uh, being a San Franciscan and what was going on in San Francisco at that time. And it was, you know, San Francisco has its highs and lows, (laughs) poor city. And this is kind of an interesting point where there were a lot of nightclubs and ships coming in and kind of crazy stuff happening in San Francisco. There's always crazy stuff happening in San Francisco, but the ending of this book, though, made me really feel for our mural painter. He, in the end, was such a tertiary character, even though he was the one doing the tracking. And I felt for him that this was this was a huge moment in his life and he was just a blip on everyone else's radar. But his lasting legacy is really that mural that he put on a tiny post office wall in Wyoming. Very well written, interesting storyline. I wasn't particularly satisfied with the ending, but perhaps it will suit you. And then my last book is this very... Another super weird book called The Dog of the North by Elizabeth McKenzie. This takes place down chiefly in the Santa Barbara area. Penny, our narrator, is she is so troubled. And this is one week from her very troubled life. This is a character like Eleanor Oliphant, or I've talked about these characters before, where they are just a little off kilter. They're socially awkward, but they're such delightful characters to read about because they see the world in their own unique perspective. At one point, she talks about how somebody put an avocado pit down a garbage disposal and it ruined the garbage disposal. And I laughed out loud because my kid is going to have his own apartment and it has a garbage disposal and we do not at home. We compost everything like that. And so at like midnight while I was reading this, I thought, I have to tell him don't put avocado pits down the garbage disposal. 
Her parents have gone missing in Australia. Her sister lives in Australia. Her grandparents, who are estranged from each other, live in the Santa Barbara area. And she goes down to help her grandmother out of some trouble. And the grandmother is the feistiest, most decrepit grandmother described on paper. It is kind of delightful. She teams up with the grandmother's accountant and they try to figure out how to take care of the grandmother whilst their own lives are falling. Like everybody is in a really bad place in this book. She does take a trip to Australia, kind of comes to terms with things in Australia in a beautiful way. And then when she's back stateside, has to deal with more of her grandmother's shenanigans. The novel ends in a hopeful place, thankfully, because holy cow, it's just, it's beyond a romp. I actually looked up synonyms of romp (laughs) and there was nothing that was like, it's more of a gallop, like, hold on. (laughs) So is it bad things happening, but in a darkly humorous way, or is it just sad and depressing? It is bad things happening in a darkly humorous way. I mean, she's getting a divorce. She's, did she lose her job or did she quit? I can't remember. You know the difference I'm I'm going at. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a delightful. Okay. It's a delightful gallop. That's it. Those are my books. Sounds good. Okay, bingo. Started Friday, May 26th and will end Monday, September 4th. To enter, you need to post a photo of your completed bingo row column or diagonal on Instagram with the hashtag CCRR Summer Bingo 2023 or to the Ravelry thread. And if you want to get a second entry, you can post a picture of your blackout. Also, if you complete all three bird themed squares, you can post that and uh, be entered to win a bird themed prize all very exciting yeah and you do not have to post any photos of things you have done but we always love to see them and i did want to do a reminder the center square is intended to be a free square so it can be about vacation it can be a staycation you can read about a vacation you can do a menu that someone else posted that they did on vacation it's very open to interpretation yeah I just remember that was a question that came up last year and I wanted to make sure people knew it is intended to be a free square. I made pickled strawberries. <laughs> we talked about that. I thought it was pretty funny. that it, There was a picture of them on our Instagram thread and I had both people who were very excited and thought that sounded amazing and people who were like, what? I don't think so. And so I came down on the... The yes, it was, it was good decision and I think they're worth a try. I mean, it was super simple. Although... To be fair, I also am a huge fan of just slicing some strawberries and letting them sit with a little balsamic vinegar just, you know, for a little bit before you, again, throw them on top of ice cream. (laughs) So I do like that flavor profile. And then craft an accessory, my Rocky Mountain hat. Well done. So that was fun. I have a bunch. My debut author was Emmy Yagi for Diary of a Void. I made pizza my way twice (laughs) i did a bird theme craft well two actually with drawing the tattoo and ordering well i gotta stitch the patch on when it lands so photo forthcoming 
I also, I did not talk about it, but I reupholstered the seats for some, on some chairs for our patio. I had done one seven years ago. (laughs) Seven. And the other chairs, three chairs had been sitting naked in the garage the whole time. And I finally reupholstered, I finished all three of them this week. So I finished a work in progress. That was seven years old. That's awesome. I feel pretty great about it. And then I started and completed my pencil easel because this lady has 7,000 pencils and they needed a, a, you know, a group of them needed a home. So that was my bingo coup this week. I think I have a row, but I'm not sure. I don't remember. (laughs) We'll have to see. Uh, Yeah, I don't think I'm quite at one yet. I'm getting there. Uh, it's still early. I yeah, really it's so do- early. Haven't been doing that very long. But yeah, I feel like people are, are coming right along. We had a bunch of posts on Instagram. JPearl05 started a new project, which is she's going to hand sew a garment while she's on vacation. I know. I can't wait to see it so come together, Pearl. Yep. And then Penny Gale has two. She started a new project, which I think is it looks like a sock toe. So I'm assuming it's going to be a sock, but who knows? And then she read My Sister the Serial Killer, which you have read. Uh-huh. So, and she liked that. And then, That's another gallop of a book. Yeah. And then Craft Buzz, Dehydrated Apples and Bananas, which um, Ooh. is a good idea for the, I assume that's for the, for the preserving. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. And then from the garden, she made basil pesto, which looked like it was served over asparagus and carrots, which looked very tasty. Yum. And she made a summer drink, sun tea with made from desert willow blossoms, and then added lime and stevia, which I'm super impressed. That's the other. That's my new one that I'm worried I'm gonna, about is the drink. <laughs> the desert willow blossom sounds like something yeah. worthy of paint. So that sounded very interesting. And then on Ravelry, you all are just chatting it up. Very exciting. I don't go on my computer very much on the weekend. So when I came back on Monday, there were so many That's posts, awesome. which was very exciting. Hockey Rachel finished a work in project, which was hand spun yarn that she made for her son's teacher who learned to crochet in November. So she, she, Hockey Rachel did the hand spun yarn for the teacher who That's just so learned great. to crochet, which I thought was super awesome. And it looked, the yarn looked beautiful, I have to say. And then Burdette during Worldwide Knit and Public Day, which was this past Saturday. No, the previous Saturday? I think it was the previous Saturday because I didn't actually make it out of my house, I think. I mean, I think I walked the dog, but nothing terribly exciting. Um, anyway, she was at a tent at her local farmer's market and was demonstrating the basics of using a knitting machine. And so she was teaching kids to do it and help them try it out. And so I thought that was a super awesome Teach someone square. Absolutely. And then Knitwise09 made a virgin pina colada, which that sounds pretty awesome as well. I'm really enjoying this cocktail mocktail square posts. <laughs> These are very <laughs> interesting. I don't know what I want to do, but it is very, very interesting and a lot to live up to with all these excellent squares. Well, cheers to that pina colada and all the rest of them to come. Until next time, make sure to do something you love every day. Thanks, everyone. Bye.
Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or courtneysf, that's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.